Welcome to Paranormal Coffee Hour. We're your hosts, Jen. And Courtney. And we're pouring you a strong cup of the weird, the wonderful, and the woohoo. On today's Paranormal Coffee Hour, we're talking about the insanity that ensued in the town of Black River Falls and all the paranormal activity that's been taking place ever since. Should probably buckle up for this one. It's weird. (laughs) Black River Falls gets its name from the tannin that comes off the trees and leaches its way down into the Black River. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it gives this appearance of kind of this eerie darkness to the river. That's kind of creepy in itself. And then you have this town that's actually quite small. It's smaller than New London. It's smaller than Clintonville. It's actually only about 3,400 people. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) So creepy river. You're in an area that was partially touched by glacier. Forests everywhere. And some rock. And then you also have a small population of people. So why this little town? Well, because at one point in time, this town literally went insane for about 20 years, and I don't think it's recovered since. I mean, you're isolated. The towns up there are really small. Granted, you have big towns within an hour away, but... Mm -hmm. To understand better the town of Black River Falls, we first need to take a look at its history. We need to look at the indigenous people that lived there well before the settlers came in. I mean, it's Wisconsin. They controlled this land, this area. So we have what is known as the Ho-Chunk Nation. They were formerly known as the Winnebago Tribe, but that was a misnomer. So they are currently known as the Ho-Chunk. They are one of Wisconsin's original tribal nations, and they are the people that once controlled the area of Black River Falls. Black River Falls itself is located on the west side of the state of Wisconsin. West side? Mm-hmm. A little bit southwest, actually. South central. Can that be a thing? We're in Wisconsin. Anything could be a thing. The Ho-Chunk would control an area encompassing the northern third of Illinois and southern third of Wisconsin. That's quite a bit. It is. They were actually quite a large nation at one time, numbering in the thousands. Black River Falls is situated on the northern edge of the Ho-Chunks Nation's third and final land secession. Now, what happened is basically during the administration of Martin Van Buren, which was president, they had signed the Treaty of 1837. Now, this was a really controversial treaty, notably because a lot of it involved getting them drunk with whiskey and alcohols instead. That's just asshole. Yeah. They signed the Treaty of 1837, and it caused divisions not only within the Ho-Chunk people, but of course, it caused issues between the Ho-Chunk and those who were going to be coming in and settling the area. Well, I mean, you're sending this guy to fight for you, and instead he goes, gets totally white girl wasted and signs away all your land. Yeah. So between 1837 and 1874, the Ho-Chunk Nation faced a series of removals at the hands of the U.S. and Wisconsin governments. They would be removed to Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, and eventually Nebraska. Often these removals at the hands of the U.S. government and Wisconsin government were brutal. I mean, they were not friendly to people. It's kind of like the Trail of Tears over and over and over. Yes. Yes, it is. Except just not the same numbers as the Trail of tears. So as these Native Americans, the Ho-Chunk Nation would be getting removed, you basically have settlers coming into the area because the U.S. government is advertising that this land is now available for settlement. Oh, well, of course. At a price. Everything comes with a price. Which is why they had to remove the Ho-Chunk Nation so that they could start selling the land. I feel bad. Like, I wish they could have revolted. They tried. I know, but... 
you know, like actual revolted and won. I just wanted them to win something and not the shitty prize. Yeah. Well, that was most Native American nations in the U.S. The thing is, is wasn't this like their third time? So by the time they came back, you got like a barrel of whiskey and a hundred bucks each person ish. And that was what you were supposed to make your new life on. Yep. Isn't that lovely? Fan-fucking-tastic. So we have the Ho-Chunk Nation being forcibly removed from their land. Dicks. And then we have settlers coming in about 1839-ish. Yeah, well, give or take, because they bumped wealthy lumbermen and everything was lured to Black River in 1830s. And then it would that's what would become Black River Falls. And the village was founded in 1839 by Jacob Spaulding, along with other lumbermen. The thing is, is Jacob came with some partners mm-hmm. and they came from like the Prairie du Chien kind of area. Oh. And from the beginning, they didn't get along. With each other? With each other, yes. Oh, that's, that's not good. Yeah. They were kind of in and out of court, fines, all this shit. That surprises me they came from farther west. But the thing is, is they also followed the Mississippi River up and then hit the Black River. Okay. So the Black River eventually connects down to the Mississippi. Yes. And okay. the thing is, is they hauled everything up on boats from Prairie. Oh, some of them took them um, a while to get there because of winter, of course. Some <laughs> the Winnebago's thought they were funny and stole some of their shit. <laughs> Kudos to them. So to settle Black River Falls was already a hot mess. Like for Ah, yeah. uh, okay. It's like this is a shit show. How much worse can this get? Oh no! So you have these early settlers that are coming for lumber mostly. Mm-hmm. They are ha- they're in cahoot. Well, they're quarreling with each other. Yes. Do you have the Winnebago, which is now known as the Ho Chunk, laughing at them, stealing some of their stuff? Yep. Like, good luck building a sawmill. I just stole three boats worth. Which, and the reason that they were able to steal is because the the Ho-Chunk were being moved out in like smaller groups. So it wasn't like a mass exodus. Well, and there was some that moved out and they're like, you know what? Fuck this. This isn't my land. I'm going back. Yeah. And they try to do it again. And then the government's like, no, we kicked your ass out. Okay. So then we have them getting removed more than once. Yes. Mm, Lovely. I do have to say though, Jacob and the Ho-Chunk actually ended up being friends. Oh, that's good. Once Jacob died, I saw some stories that his friends would go to his daughter's house, just stand there staring at his picture. She'd feed them. They'd be happy and leave. (laughs) I mean, if that's all that it takes to be fed, I guess. (laughs) Such a Wisconsin thing. (laughs) Especially Wisconsin-Minnesota border. (laughs) Make me a casserole. We're all good. Oh, Lord. But there was a lot of logging and sawmills. There was eight sawmills that popped up. All were by the close of 1844 and all on the river. Considering they did over 4 billion feet of lumber. Holy shit. I'm assuming you're going to need eight sawmills. 4 billion feet of lumber? With a B. Yes, with a B. And I have, let's see, it says Black River, one of Wisconsin's small streams, drains about 6.8% of the state. They floated 4,664,799,560 feet of logs to the sawmills and lumberyards. Oh my God. Was there trees left? Well, that's what, I mean, that's a lot of trees. We're talking about pine. Yes. Because that was the major um, type of lumber for Black River Falls. Yes. Can you imagine how dense that was? No. (laughs) It almost reminds me, I think, of Bigfoot. Like, no wonder he was great at hiding. (laughs) So many trees. 
Jeez. The Indian title to the Black River County was extinguished by a treaty on November 1st, 1837, in which the Winnebago tribe ceded all its territory on the east side of the river and also certain interests on the west bank. So they had quite a bit. Yes. They were supposed to be removed to the reserve within eight months, but did not actually leave until about 1840. Okay, and now here's the best part about the logging. Logging did not go further back than a mile from the stream bank as a rule. Wait a second. So you're telling me they pulled all these logs within a mile from the stream? Yes. So what they would do is they would put down some logs, 90 degree angle to the stream, pile the other logs on top and just kind of roll them down. Like a conveyor belt. Pretty much. If they were too heavy, too big, whatever, they would hook some horses up to it. That's incredible. And were sometimes built 50 and even 100 feet back into the woods. In such cases, the logs were rolled a good share of the way on the skidways. And if the distance was greater, they were skidded or snaked to the skidways. Larger logs were handled one at a time with a tool similar to a huge ice tongs to which the horses were hitched. That's wow. And we know how dangerous this kind of logging was. Well, yes, because now we got to keep those logs moving. We got to get them. The logs don't make it to the sawmills. We are out of money. Exactly. So you've got people pushing them down river. Exactly. And often there were jams at several points at once. A jam in the Black and Pepple rivers was broken by the use of much powder. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. They love to use dynamite. Exactly. Who needs fingers, toes? <laughs> Whatever. They use a lot of it on occasion. And 20 million feet of logs passed Black River Falls in one night in April of 1876. Holy shit. In one fucking night. That's incredible. Another typical big jam formed above Black River Falls in May of 1871, extending for five or six miles up river and containing 50 million feet of logs. So what'd they do to get rid of this jam? It required four days of effort to break it. That's all it says. How many people got stuck in those logs? That's what I want to know because you have men on top of the logs on the river trying to push them around. Right. And if there's a rock or whatever, we're going to blow that fucker to smithereens. Oh my God. So dynamite, large logs in a rolling river. That's that's a recipe for danger right there. Exactly. And we got another such jam containing 50 million feet of logs resisted the efforts from 50 to 80 men for days early in 1875. <laughs> 50 to 80 men. I love how they narrow that down by 30. <laughs> like, where the fuck do you go, bro? <laughs> in the river. The King of Jams was reported in the spring of 1893 when there was a jam nearly 10 miles long reaching from near the mouth of the Black River to Gales Ferry, containing more than 100 million feet of logs. And all of that had to be pushed out, Mm -hmm. usually by hand. Mm -hmm. With maybe a little help of dynamite on the side. My question is, when they give you that number, like, what was it, 50 to 80? Yeah. (laughs) Did we lose 30 people in the river? (laughs) That's what I'm saying is 50 to 80? There's a 30 person difference. Who's counting? I mean, maybe they got under the logs. It's absolutely possible. (laughs) I don't know if I want to believe that they were killed, smashed by logs or that person can't count. (laughs) Seriously. So with all this logging going on, Courtney, we basically have Black River Falls from 1839-ish to 1850 growing. And they grew up to a population of 150 people in 1850, which is a good size. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Black River Falls would eventually become the seat of the county that it's located in, which is Jackson County, Wisconsin. Unfortunately, around 1860, before the city would become incorporated, a large fire destroyed many of the buildings in the downtown area. Oh, no. And then, you know, they had to have another fire. (laughs) Oh, well. 
1878. So 18 years later, they had another similar fire that would try and take down their entire main street. Plus, I saw in 1868, they had raging fires in the woods. There's a lot of fire going on. Which brings us back to how much fucking woods is there? There was a lot. Considering some burnt, most of it got cut, some more burnt. Yeah. Wisconsin had a tremendous amount of trees, especially pine. I mean, that's hard to wrap your head around also. Mm -hmm. So in its early years, the city of Black River Falls would face a number of disasters from men losing their life on the river and logging, accidents in sawmills. Of course, lose a few limbs. Fire destroying their downtown twice. Don't forget the floods. Oh, yeah. There would be floods coming. Hmm. How biblical. But the town never did give up. No, they were fighters. Mm -hmm. But it does make you wonder, were they fated to have all these problems? That's a great question because, I mean, there's a lot of people even today would be like, you know what? I'm fucking done. Let's talk about a period of time from 1890 to 1910 where the town nearly gave up after going insane. I went to blame them. It all started with the closing down of several of the sawmills in the area after a series of incredibly bleak and cold winters. According to an article from Mysterious Universe entitled The Dark Haunted History of the Cursed Town of Black River Falls, it states that the people who stayed behind in this freak weather were faced with the bitter cold and encroaching starvation, as well as the onset of an epidemic of disease, as well as a major flood, which ravaged the area. The previously rather pleasant town of Black River Falls, of which a newspaper reporter had once said, nowhere in this great continent of ours can be found a more desirable residence than Black River Falls. He was preparing to be a realtor. <laughs> had fallen apart so rapidly that there were whispers of witchcraft and devil worship. Oh, of course. The wrath of nature and paranoia about supernatural forces mixed together with a sudden joblessness and the added horror of the great financial depression gripping the nation at the time, which by the way, most people didn't realize we were going through a depression in 1890. 1930s depression always gets, you know, there's always about. cycles of everything. Mm -hmm. So they were going through this depression and all of this would conspire to create a bleak and volatile environment that would become a breeding ground for the terror and grotesqueries to come. Hmm, interesting. So everything that goes wrong, it's the witches and all this stuff. So our world right now, is that going to be the witches? Maybe. Great. <laughs> there was first a rise in random violence, fighting, delinquency, and decency. People were caving into the stresses of the situation, and there was still the idea that some amongst them were causing it all through magical means. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> This would all graduate to more gruesome deeds soon enough, including suicide, mutilations, and twisted murders. So in 1890, there was no, what's the word I'm looking for? Ownership. It was all everybody else's fault, including magic. We're talking responsibility? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nobody was going to take responsibility. We're just going to blame it on the so witches. So nothing's changed. Nope. With Black River Falls, it's hard to even know where to begin when trying to paint a picture of just how badly everyone lost their minds as the town unraveled and descended into madness and chaos. But we're going to try. And it's all going to start with two young boys and a farm. Let's talk about the Anderson brothers, Courtney. Oh, let's do this. John Anderson was 13, and he decided to run away from home with his 10-year-old brother. There's a lot of things I was doing at 13. I might have thought about running away from home, but to do it, and then to do what these two did? Yeah, pretty gruesome. Because what happened is, when they ran away from home, they ran to a farm and proceeded to shoot the owner 
of this remote farm at close range. That takes balls already. The boys then took over the deceased farmer's property. So instead of just taking items and running, they decided to live out the life of farm boys. So that begs me to question then, what work ethic who runs away from home <laughs> That's at a fantastic 13 and takes over a damn farm? Well, and what John was telling his brother is that they would create their own little utopia. Oh, cult-like, eh? And that begs to question what the hell was going on at their own home. That's the question is what 13-year-old, 10-year-old want to run away from home to start their own farm already and possesses them to kill a farmer in the process. Right. I mean, home life could not have been that great. So within a period of time, the farmer's brother would pay a visit to this farm to check on his Makes sense. on his sibling. And the younger boy would not run. He would confess to the crime. But John Anderson, who's the older of the two, he would lead the sheriffs on a manhunt across the state of Wisconsin. Fantastic. Now, not only did they have to hunt this child down, but in the process of hunting him down, he killed a police officer. I mean, hey, you killed the farmer, might as well just keep going, I guess. Mm hmm. John Anderson would eventually be caught. He would be sentenced to life in prison for his court hearing. His father was notified that he had been caught by the sheriff's department and the father was requested to attend the hearing. Do you know what he did? I think he was saying, nope. Exactly. Dad said, nope, he's yours now. Deal with him as you wish. Wow. Yeah. Eventually that father, years later, would end up taking his own life. That's sad. Mm -hmm. So the Anderson brothers were just one crazy thing that happened around the Black River Falls area. What else happened, Courtney? Well, let's keep this crazy train of moving. <laughs> we have a six-year-old woman who found a small sore on her back, believing that the unknown mass was cancer, because, I mean, why not? She would take her life. She attempted to remove it herself. To cure the supposed malignant ailment, the woman doused herself in kerosene. Wait a second. She didn't just tap a little kerosene on the area? Oh, no. She soaked herself. Oh, my God. She why? then went outside. Bless her heart. She didn't put up the house, and in the backyard set herself ablaze. Oh my God. I guess that cancer spot, if it was cancer at all, is gone. Quick fix, eh? What? <laughs> I mean, I guess at least she didn't drink it or something. Either way. I'm speechless. All aboard the crazy train. Oh my God. Curing cancer. One blaze at a time. <laughs> Jesus. So... As we continue on our crazy train, as Courtney would like to put it, let's talk a little bit about what's going on since the lumber industry is drying up in the area. The bank is also starting to collapse. And Black River Falls had their own bank at the time, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the banks are closing up. This next story takes us to a farmer who decided that after the banks collapsed, he didn't know what else to do. So he was going to take his own life. What exactly did he do, Courtney? This one's actually kind of sad. And fantastic all in one. This was taken from the Journal Times, August 4th, 1899. Chris Wold, a farmer near Peskin Lake, Cumberland County, committed suicide by blowing off his head with dynamite. Yes, dynamite. He placed a large quantity of dynamite in a hole in the ground, laid his head over it, and touched off the fuse, saying, Here I go. The Lord go with me. I'm sorry, this takes fucking commitment. No kidding. The explosion blew his head and one forearm off. Wold was 30 years of age and leaves a wife and four children. Oh, God. So he goes out with a bang. Sorry. 
No pun on words. The thing is, is you just left a wife and four children. You couldn't fend for yourself. So now you leave a wife and four children. And we're talking about a period of time where women were not permitted to work. Right. I feel like that was an assholey thing to do. He was, I get depression and stuff, but damn, bro. Yeah, that wasn't a good move. So we go from farmers blowing their heads off with dynamite to an epidemic that would creep its way in to Black River Falls during this time period. It was an epidemic that mostly affected children, and it was diphtheria. That's sad. Diphtheria is both a respiratory disease, and it also can cause ailments in other organs if it spreads. And what happens with diphtheria is that it gets fever, you get chills, you get like patches on your skin. And then if it spreads, it can also cause failure in certain other organs like kidneys, as far as I understand. So it starts as a respiratory issue and then just goes haywire from there. Hmm. So in the early 1890s, a diphtheria epidemic would ravage Black River Falls. As a result, many children passed away, which subsequently cause schools to close. Makes sense. No children, no school. Here's the big issue, though. Not only are these people losing their children, but they were so afraid of this disease that they would be having to burn down their houses in an attempt to stop the disease from spreading. So these people are so damn crazy right at this point. I hope they let the people out of their damn houses first. Yeah, me too. But it was one of those things where it's kind of like COVID, where people were getting really, really scared. It was really lethal for a lot of people, especially children. And to prevent any spread of it, it was like set fire to everything. So not only do you lose your kids, you lose your entire home. Plus then more suicides and murders because you are grief and panic. And yes. So after you have this epidemic of diphtheria taking place. You get an epidemic of suicides and murders. Lovely. Fantastic. So we're going to move from dying children to a child that is a bit mm, crazy. I was thinking spoiled. Why don't you tell me about her? We're going to talk about Lydia Berger. She's a 15-year-old girl that ended up sitting in county jail because she confessed to the crime of arson. Just ready? one arson? Oh, well, hold your seats. A week ago last Friday, she left her home on a farm and came to town to witness the historical pageant of the carnival celebration. She was out late that night, and the next day her father whipped her for staying away without his permission. I bet that happened. Valid, especially at 15. Mm -hmm. She sought revenge by setting fire to the little cottage in which they lived. Oh my God. It was burned to the ground. She set fire to their house. Oh, wait. There's more. Oh, shit. A neighbor gave the family shelter because they felt bad. And the next day, the girl set fire to the house of their benefactor. Why? Because she gave him shelter. Oh, but wait. There's more. <laughs> Wednesday, her mother ordered her to harness a team of horses, which was temporarily quartered in a barn. The girl went to the loft and set the barn on fire, which with 65 tons of hay was burned to the ground. The girl says she set fire to the places simply to have revenge on her father for whipping her. So she burned down a house and two barns. One barn, two houses. Oh, sorry. One barn, two houses. To still get revenge on her father for whipping her. Yes. Self-entitled. I guess. So we go from pyromaniac 15-year-olds to a farmer who thought Satan had taken over his farm. Oh, I mean, why not? Satan always looking for a farm. So basically what happened is on the Sheldon farm, Farmer Sheldon. 
found 18 of his chickens decapitated. Oh, dear. Now, the farmer believed that Satan had taken control of his property. Why not? But what really happened was a traveling group of approximately 50 drifters swarmed the community and invaded his farm. Where do you find 50 drifters? Well, remember, we're in a depression, so people I, are jobless. I get that, but you would think it'd be easier to feed one or two people not traveling in a pack of fitty. How many is that again? Fitty. <laughs> so basically what happened is these drifters had decapitated all of his chickens and then proceeded to make him think he was losing his mind. Well, technically, I think he already was because... From what I understood, they just took the chickens and ran and ate them. Actually, he first burned the farm to the ground because he thought Satan had taken control of it. And the drifters then took the chickens into the woods to eat them. I don't think Satan is afraid of fire. (laughs) So we have a farmer afraid of Satan to another who's a farmer and a new father deciding to partake in some alcohol. Well, he must have consumed a large amount of alcohol because he beat his infant. Oh, that's awful. He then tried to strangle his wife when she intervened. However, some neighbors arrived and saved the wife, although the newborn had already passed. After this incident and several others believed to have been fueled by alcohol, we've got the temperance meetings were then held in town. Everybody remember the temperance movement? Yeah, it precursored the prohibition. Yeah. The temperance society, quote unquote, strive to thenceforth protect women from degradation and indecency, which is great, but it doesn't always involve alcohol. Exactly. So yeah, basically this guy had a brand new baby. Yep. Decided to maybe celebrate or something, get liquored up. I guess. I seriously, I don't know how these people are thinking around this time frame. Well, and that's the other thing is, is we do have a lot of people going insane, I guess you could say, because of the economy. Exactly. And there's no clawing their way out of it in some of this. No. Unfortunately not. So we go from the murdering of infants to the murdering of brides and fiancés. Fantastic. There was this young man who called upon a woman he wanted um, to ask for her hand in marriage. Oh. But she turned him down. Oh. Mm -hmm. So instead of walking away and finding a new love, this enraged man shot her three times. Oh, and then he turned the gun on himself. Why did he? I mean, he could have just shot himself and been done. Well, he didn't want her going to anybody else, Courtney. That good old, I can't have you, nobody can have you. Exactly. But this wasn't the only one. Oh. Because there was another spurred man. He publicly attacked and killed his ex-wife and her family following their divorce. You're divorced. Move on. Yeah. Well, then we have, around that same time, a teen bride-to-be. She was 14 at the time, mind you. Oh, no. Had to be institutionalized after her fiancé left her. She had to be institutionalized at Mm -hmm. 14? And she subsequently took her own life. Oh, my Lord. And then we have another gentleman who is 50 years old. He hung himself prior to having to sign divorce papers. Oh, so because they're not divorced, does she get everything then? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, was it a true suicide? (laughs) Those come up often. So we have a lot of murder and suicide going on in this area at this period of time. So it would seem that the town of Black River Falls during the time period of 1890 to 1910 would be gripped by some peculiar malaise. And the weekly news, which is where Lee's stories came from, would be dominated by bizarre tales of madness 
eccentricity and violence among the local population. Suicide and murder are commonplace during this time. People in the town are haunted by ghosts, possessed by devils, and terrorized by teenage outlaws and arsonists. <laughs> this then brings us to, so what about now? What is going on in Black River Falls? And has any of this activity that took place for the 20 years that it did had any effect on the paranormal activity in the city. So the first story we have about paranormal activity in Black River Falls actually comes from the article by Mysterious Universe entitled The Dark Haunted History of the Cursed Town of Black River Falls. And this was a comment that was left on that article. Courtney, what does it say? So the comment says, I moved into my Black River Falls apartment a little over a year ago. Within about six months, strange things started happening. My wife and I have both had the experience of feeling someone sit next to us on the bed. About a month ago, I was turning from the kitchen into the hall leading to the bedrooms when I came face to face with a full-bodied apparition of a middle-aged woman. I probably shit myself. She (laughs) vanished... But I got really good look at her, nevertheless. On another more recent occasion, I saw my cat staring at a place on the wall near the ceiling adjacent to the living room closet. I went to see what she was looking at, and I saw a yellowish colored orb float across the ceiling and disappear into the closet. The cat then went to the closet and stared at the door. When I opened the door, she ran away quickly, though the orb was no longer visible to me. Interesting. That's fascinating. I know that Kent, during our live version of Paranormal Coffee Hour, talked about one of his friends who had lived in Black River Falls. Do you remember that? He had owned the property for two years, but barely lived on it. Mm -hmm. And then ended up getting rid of it because not only were they having paranormal activity in the home, but he said that the energy being a transplant from outside of Black River Falls, the energy was just too much for him to handle. Supposedly, it's actually worse than New London. They're even more closed off. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. So another story regarding Black River Falls and its paranormal activity comes from one of my fellow paranormal investigators from Uper Paranormal. Miss Trish has sent me a story of a time when her and her sister Kelly and a group of other people went to Black River Falls to investigate a home. That's exciting. Here's Trish's story, per her words. Me, Kelly, Kelly's son, Peter, Corey, and Deb stayed at the Black River Falls house. When we first got there, I was interviewing the niece of the owner, since the owner was flying in from Texas to meet with us later. After she left, I sat down to listen to the interview I had recorded. I asked, if anything was seen outside the home. Because on the recorder, we captured an EVP, an electronic voice phenomenon, that said, Mama. Oh. It was in a very creepy voice. We captured also several Class A EVPs throughout the night. Those are EVPs that you can hear with your ear. You don't need a a recorder to hear them. Oh. Yeah. We felt like we were being watched through the windows the entire time. When the owner and her boyfriend came later that evening, they told us about their experiences. One time the boyfriend was watching TV and a black dog came from nowhere and he chased it outside and it allegedly shape-shifted into a man and ran into the woods. Wait, the black dog came from no like in the house? As far as I understand, it must have gotten in the house and he chased it outside. What and as fuck? he chased it, it shape shifted. Oh my. Now, 
I am aware that that region of Wisconsin has a lot of tales of hellhounds and dogmen. Yes. And we know that oftentimes those are shapeshifters. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Trisha's story does continue. She says that another time one of the couch pillows disappeared and it was found in the dishwasher. (laughs) Okay. Was the laundry full? (laughs) I find that hilarious. That'd be something my husband would do if we had a dishwasher. (laughs) I mean, that's just great. We then all went up into the loft where the owners used to sleep until something scratched across on owner Chris's back. A cross, like a cross cross, not all crossed it. No, a cross. So Have you guys ever seen that? Yes, actually. Really? Very rare. Mm -hmm. As the boyfriend was telling this story, he yelled out, if you scratch me again, I'm going to burn this fucking house down. (laughs) Why not? It's Black River Falls. All of a sudden. I never thought of it that way. Okay. All of a sudden, Peter, Kelly's son, got up. He went downstairs. Kelly went after him. He was pacing downstairs, clenching his fists. And then he went outside. When he came back upstairs, he was calm. And he told the boyfriend, look, when you said that about burning down the house, I suddenly felt a rage I've never felt before. And I wanted to kill you. Oh. All night, Trish says, they were on all kinds of edge. It was super crazy there. So they didn't stay the whole night. Now, my team leader, Christy, from Chain of Lakes Paranormal, has actually stayed in the same location as Trish. Oh. Mm-hmm. So is this like a popular place that they let people in or is it a connection? You got to know somebody. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it is privately owned and you have to know somebody. Now, I have not heard of them doing any more of the investigations there, mostly because I believe they might have sold the house. Okay. But Christy and the people that were with her did stay the entire night. Oh. And it was a night of very little sleep and of getting touched and hearing noises. Yep. See, I don't need that shit. I'll stay home in my own bed. Mm-hmm. They even had a laser grid pointed in one location and could see things going through it, like blacking out the lights. Is that the one where it like dissipates like in the middle of it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So these are just some of the paranormal activities that people who are not from the area have been experiencing. However, we had Tracy who joined us for Paranormal Coffee Hour talk about her experiences with a family that she was part of that uh, they lived in Black River Falls almost all their life. Yeah, that was fascinating. And she comes to find out that the home that her ex-husband lived in or his family lived in was the old poor house of the county. Mm-hmm. And it was always one of those places, she said, that when they would visit family, it was very strange. Creeped her out a bit. Even her ex-husband would note that their children, when they would go with them, would get like injuries just happening out of nowhere. Yes, she did say that. Mm-hmm. So in addition to paranormal encounters in terms of ghosts and cryptids, we have another encounter that has taken place in Black River Falls. We have a UFO sighting. Of course. Why wouldn't there be? A husband and wife truck driving team abandoned the load of vegetable fat they were hauling after saying they were attacked by bird-like beings from a bubble-shaped spaceship. The police chief said the couple claimed to have been under attack by the creature since they passed through Billings, Montana. He said they spent the night at a hotel after refusing to continue the trip. A hotel near Black River Falls? I'm somewhere between Billings, Montana and Black River Falls that they're like, yep, nope. (laughs) They said a small bubble-shaped spaceship came down out of a dark cloud and sprayed their truck with small metal filings. Holy shit. I know. The couple 
said that the truck collided with the spaceship and a peanut-sized capsule fell out. Peanut. So <laughs> my question is, is how do you notice a peanut-sized capsule falling out when you are in a semi-truck? I don't know. Maybe there were heightened senses. Maybe. A new team of drivers actually had to be dispatched to finish taking the truck to Madison where they were going. Damn. The couple complained of seeing creatures with V-shaped heads is how it ends. V-shaped heads? Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's like draconian kind of. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. What happened to the peanut sized thing that fell out of the spacecraft? It doesn't say. That's bullshit. If it was like in the 1800s and not 1984, I would question that if this thing was real or not when they did that in the paper. Right. I was like, oh, story time. We need to fill up space. But this was 1984. Mm. Yeah. So we got a bubble-shaped spaceship, a peanut-sized capsule, and some V-shaped heads. Don't forget about the filings. Oh, the yeah, the filings. Attacking them. Could could anybody even see those on the truck? So that's my question. First of all, you knew there were small metal filings. Second of all, was that maybe for their magnet to suck the truck up or something? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. This article just gives me more questions. So many more. So actually, questions is really where we're headed next. Because the big question is now, what is causing the paranormal activity in Black River Falls and was part of that craziness from the 1890s till 1910? Was that included? As in, could there have been influences outside of the normal realm that was causing the craziness? I wonder what the people of Black River Falls would think if we could like narrow it down for them. I think a lot of them would like not to talk about it, honestly. Oh, I'm sure. But hey, I could give you sunshine and rainbows or something. <laughs> you think a Tommy boy when you say that? <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> here's the thing. Black River Falls today still deals with high rates of addiction with alcoholism and drugs and high rates of suicide. Yep. And just domestic violence, too. Yes. So unfortunately, things definitely got better since 1910, but they're not great. No. So let's put some theories out there. What do we think is really going on that's causing partly the craziness and the paranormal activity? So let's start our discussion about what might be causing all this craziness dun, 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 dun. by going back to the Ho-Chunk Nation. So one of the things we didn't really talk about earlier in the podcast was the fact that in 1874, the Ho-Chunk would come back. They're like, you know what? This Nebraska shit ain't working for us. We want to be back where we belong. Except they wouldn't be back exactly where they would belong. Nope, not at all. Because the land was already taken. Assholes. Mm -hmm. So one of the theories that Courtney and I have discussed is this idea of what we call an ancestral reckoning. Yeah. And too bad they can't like just put all that magic together and just blow it off the map. Take it all back. Exactly. So what we mean by ancestral reckoning is this idea that the spiritual ancestors of the Ho-Chunk have been working to make it difficult for the settlers to settle there. Kind of like karma. Exactly. So we mentioned the two fires that had pretty much wiped out the town in 1860 and 1878. And we mentioned a flood in passing. What was that flood really like, though? That was 1911, wasn't it? Yes. Early October, heavy rains filled upstream tributaries to the Black River. And near dawn on October 6th, two dams above Black River Falls gave way. The river rose 20 feet over its already high level and rushed through the city all day 
long. By nightfall, 85% of the business district had been washed downstream. 80 buildings and 42 acres of land, including entire hillside neighborhoods, were swept away. Miraculously, no one was killed, but only 14 structures remained in the downtown and damages were estimated at 2 million in 1911. Holy shit. Now, see, this is important to remember because when we talked about the two fires, nobody was killed in those either. Right. They make life living extremely hell for you, but they did not take a soul. No. So... With this ancestral reckoning that we're suggesting, it's simply the fact that maybe some of these incidences like the fires, the floods, you know, we talked about in New London's podcast, how when we have the guardians or the shapeshifters for the mounds, that they don't like it when the land or waterways are altered. And in Black River Falls, we had two dams. There was two dams. They took all the wood. There was even mining. So they were taking from the earth also in the mining. That's right. They did some strip mining there. They desecrated that land per se. Yeah, they did. Considering how the Ho-Chunk would have taken what they needed. These people just took and took and took. Exactly. And so then my question becomes, a lot of times we hear about seven generations. So is this something where it's going to last for seven generations? Are they going to have an ancestral reckoning of this land for a long period of time? And it would almost look like they are. Exactly. Even though the Ho-Chunk Nation was able to come back and they put them on a reservation. They actually have their headquarters in Black River Falls. That's compared to what they had. Poor people. I know. It's not fair. And we're not suggesting that the Ho-Chunk curse them. We're suggesting that the ancestors are trying to balance the damage that was done by the settlers. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have potentially an ancestral reckoning going on with these people. Right. And I say that because they're still having issues in Black River Falls to this day. We talked about the suicide rate. We talked about addiction rate. But one thing I didn't mention was the fact that even the sawmills that are left, that are still functioning, are having weird shit happen. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. They're talking about fires that are breaking out in them, which I mean, it's a sawmill. It makes sense. But they're also talking about weird things where workers are getting injured oddly and killed. Yep. So stuff is still happening. It's just not talked about as much. Go figure. Kind of like New London, huh? Right. Exactly. I feel it's a little bit darker, not trying to put anyone under the bus. Now, in addition to an ancestral reckoning, potentially, we also have the geography of the area. So there's a lot of rock. Mm-hmm. There is a, a big river that runs through it. Big river. So what do we know about rivers and rocks? They carry energy. Oh, don't forget the woods have memories too. Oh yeah, the trees. That's right. We talked about that with the national forests. Yes. How the trees absorb the energy and have memories. Creepy fuckers. <laughs> Now, there's all of this, and yet, what is bringing these hellhound shape-shifting whatever they are into that area, Courtney? I feel like that's another story, too, because are they hellhounds, which is a cryptid? Are they shapeshifters into hellhounds? Because when I first heard about it, that was my first initial thought, is shapeshifters, like watchers. Yeah. Like, they're not all bad, but they're going to scare the shit out of you. Yeah, kind of like the Guardians of New London when they shapeshift into something weird to scare you. Right. So... I mean, on the other hand, there's a lot of the cities up there, too, that have the Hellhounds sightings. Yeah. The Chippewa area, uh, the Chippewa Valley area of Wisconsin is a big area for 
sightings of hellhounds and Black River Falls is located right next door to that. So could it be the low level energy that sunk its way into Black River Falls that these cryptids are enjoying? Which would be something too, because now these people are living in a dumpster fire continuously. They don't even know they are in a dumpster fire and they need to get out. Mm -hmm. Anytime we have low level energy and we talked about it with, we talked about low level energy and university towns when we talked to Whitewater. That's what it was. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of young people coming around, drinking, lowering their vibrational energy with alcohol and potentially drugs. And that just kind of produces an atmosphere that other elemental type of energy, like a cryptid, would like to be a part of. And they have two college towns within, what, 40 minutes to an hour? Yeah. Yeah. UW-Eau Claire isn't far from them and neither is UW-River Falls. Doesn't La Crosse also have one? Yeah. UW-La Crosse is about 30 some minutes from them. three of them? Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. So they're not far. They themselves have a lower level energy just from the trauma that this town has gone through. Let's not forget all that. And then they go put a prison in Black River Falls. Oh, they have a prison there. So Black River Correctional Center is located east of Black River Falls in Jackson County. Its current facility operating capacity is 118 adult male inmates. And it's an institution comprised of 14 adult male correctional centers overseen by a single warden. But now here's the best part. Is Black River Correctional Center opened as a correctional quote-unquote camp for boys in 1962 when persons under 21 were not charged with felony crimes in adult court. In 1972, the law changed in Black River Correctional Center was converted to an adult male facility. In December of 2003, it was converted to a military bearing program until September of 2014 when its focus changed to a low-risk earned release program. Okay. So that's a hot mess for that. That's a lot of different things right there. It is. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of interesting activity going on in this area of Wisconsin. We have murders, suicides, some of them unresolved. Mm -hmm. So that brings in low energy also. We have the potential for an ancestral First Nation reckoning because of the way that their people were treated on their land. Basically karma. Mm -hmm. We have cryptids coming into the area and scaring the bejesus out of people. Even people we know. So what do you think is going on? I'd like some people to reach out if they have any ideas on this. Or if you have experiences in Black River Falls, we'd love to hear about them. You can share your experiences with us on Facebook at Paranormal Coffee Hour. Well, I guess it's a good time to put down your cup of coffee. Hopefully give us your comments on Facebook. And as always, keep it weird. Keep it wonderful and keep it woohoo. See ya.